T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. And what's up, everyone? I'm Rod Rodriguez. Welcome to the Back Brief. I've got the amazing, the wonderful, he puts the special, the special forces, Jack Murphy. And today we are talking about what happens when green berets go bad. And we've got a bad one. We've got a real bad one. Uh, you, you've seen it, the headlines. You've seen uh, it just broke like this week, I believe. Uh, Jack, fill us in. What's going on? What happened with this guy? Yeah, it was over the weekend. Um, you know, you're, you're absolutely right. Uh, you know, we hear, we've heard more often in recent years about the SEALs kind of going off the reservation, but it happens with uh, Special Forces guys as well. And we've had, had a number of incidences there. Uh, this one over the weekend uh, was the arrest of Peter Debbins, who was a Special Forces officer at one point. Uh, he was arrested uh, for, you know, conspiracy to commit acts of espionage. He was meeting with uh, Russian military intelligence, the GRU, and uh, keeping it clandestine. He signed paperwork with the Russians, allegedly, according to Department of Justice and the FBI, that he, uh, that he, he said he would act as a Russian agent, that he would collect information for them. He accepted money and gifts from Russian military intelligence. Um, by the amount of information that is in the indictment, they really got him by the balls, um, or at least that's how it appears. And it's to the point that it makes you wonder how the feds got that kind of detailed information about meetings he was having in Moscow, um, which I think is a whole other story, um, probably in of itself. Um, so they, they arrested him for um, actions uh, he took collaborating with the Russians from 1996 to 2011. Um, and uh, suffice to say, it's quite interesting that the indictment ends abruptly at 2011. And I think that's kind of something I'd like to point towards as the whole part of the story that no one else has really touched upon as of yet. So the story ends at 2011. Up into that point, we've got, what was his rank? Was he an enlisted guy, officer? Uh, he was a, he was an officer. I think he probably got out as a captain um, because he there. He, so this wasn't his first brush with uh, divulging classified information. When he was a special forces officer um, deployed to Azerbaijan, he was um, allegedly, or, or I guess they, they did an investigation, found out that he was um, leaking the names of other special forces personnel to the Russians. Um, so he lost his top secret clearance, but then years later, they gave it back to him, even though he had this in his file. He got a TSSCI. 
So we have a, well, okay. So we, we, do we have any motives? I mean, why would he do this? Why, do we know yeah. why he's angry? So he is um, Russian, um, ethnically Russian. He was born in the, in the former Soviet Union. And he made statements to the Russians that he was a child of Russia, that the United States has gotten too big and needs to be cut down to size, that we're too influential around the world. Um, so it appears to have been, you know, perhaps some sort of ethnic or national affinity with Russia, um, plus disillusion, disillusionment with the United States. And then later on, the indictment also um, makes it seem as if he was frustrated that his military career was cut short. So his military career gets cut short. He's doing this child of Russia thing and begins to leak these names of elder SF guys. And then he gets in trouble, taken, clearance taken away, booted out. Mm-hmm gets his clearance back. Now that's the part that I find interesting because that's either a huge mistake. Oversight. Oversight. I mean, just, just gigantic or someone somebody, was feeding them bullshit. Right. Somebody gave them this clearance <laughs> back. Yeah. And this is an operation. This is some off-co right. work. Uh, take us into that, Jack. Well, I, I mean, this is purely speculative and yes, I think it would be a massive, massive oversight for him to just get his TSSCI after he had it stripped for handing classified information to the Russians. I mean, that's like the, that's even crazier than what happened with Edward Snowden as far as like lapses in, in um, our government's judgment. But uh, it, it, the other side of it is maybe they knew that he was talking to the Russians and they wanted to keep him in place as a dif- disinformation um, operation that they were feeding him BS that he could then go and give to the Russians. Um, but that, that's purely speculative. But for sure, there is a much larger operation, I think, um, than what has been revealed publicly. Because again, the indictment, it charges him from 96 to 2011. Are you telling me he just abruptly decided to stop spying for the Russians all on his own in 2011? That doesn't make sense. doesn't make any sense. And we sat on it for the last nine years. Right. And what we know from the indictment is that during that 96 to 2011 time period, he was acting uh, to spot and assess for the GRU other potential Americans who they might be able to flip into intelligence assets. And he handed over the names of other special forces personnel and even a couple counterintelligence personnel who they might try to pitch for recruitment, that the Russians might be able to try to pitch for recruitment. Um, Now, I was having a conversation just uh, today with somebody who knew Peter Debbins um, when he was in school. Uh, He went to, uh, he was in the same graduate program as Debbins at the Institute of World Politics, IWP in Washington, DC and interacted with him on a number of different occasions. And he was telling me that this gent I was talking to today, he was saying IWP is very interesting and unique in the sense that it it acts like a feeder program for people entering the intelligence community. So Debbins would have been placed, the way he was there, that he was placed there in a way that would have set him up very well to interact with current and future members of the intelligence community. So if you had people who are going to um, go into the CIA, for instance, Devins would know who those people are. He'd know their real names. Um, and even after he finished his studies there at, the, at IWP, 
he was heavily involved in the school and he was the um he, he had a lot of like strong personal and professional relationships with people at the school and other people working in the intelligence community um so again this was the the time frame uh was 2015 but he continued to be involved he graduated in 2015 continued to be involved in the school after 2015 so again the fact that the indictment ends in 2011 doesn't make sense because if he was working for the gru it makes a hell of a lot of sense that he he was at iwp at the behest of the gru spotting and assessing more potential people to pitch and i was having another conversation with a friend of mine who's a retired cia officer and he was saying that probably what's going on is that they charged him for the 96 to 2011 stuff just to get him off the street. And I figured, okay, this guy, we're done with him. We need to get him in prison. And they're not charging him for 2011 to 2020 because what that would do in court is reveal a bunch of active counterintelligence investigations that are going on, implying that there is a larger network at play of Russian assets that he maybe helped recruit. So it sounds like our counterintelligence guys are probably willing, they've had enough. Maybe he was reaching critical mass. Maybe there was, maybe he was getting suspicious of what he was getting. Maybe he was getting suspicious of his own success. Um, There's a lot of things that could have gone wrong. Somebody said, okay, that's it. Maybe, maybe they want to send a message to the Russians. Like, Hey, knock it the hell off interesting time to choose that right because we've Mm -hmm. talked about that we've talked about it feels like a lot of what's happening around us could be a foreign operation foreign disinformation campaign and all of a sudden we're telling the russians like you know this guy and here's here's another little piece of, of speculation right if you read the indictment that came out after his arrest the peter debbins indictment Like I said, there's so much detailed information in there about meetings he was having in Moscow uh, with GRU operatives. It heavily implies that we have somebody in Russian GRU, in Russian intelligence, who's giving us this information, either a defector or an asset inside. Now, that in of itself acts as... um, a sort of influence operation that can get the Russians wrapped up in their own counterintelligence investigations, gets them freaking out, throws them off balance. And now they're on a witch hunt within their own ranks. Again, we could have, we could have somebody. We could have nobody. Possible. Right, right. Could be just playing with them, just messing with them. And again, this is speculative on my part. I don't know this for a fact at all. Um, but again, I, I think it's very interesting the way this has all unfolded the last couple of days. This is a very clear example of counterintelligence at work. This is the very thing that they're built to do. To see this hit the headlines, um, I think that's it's fascinating to see because we often don't, when we hear in the world of intelligence, we're often involved in the world of analysts creating projections and this and that, but rarely do we get a look behind the curtain of the fight against espionage, the fight that CI is in charge of. Um, This is interesting on a lot of different levels, because like you said, uh, this kind of gives us something to chew on. We can't, nobody has anything. You and I don't have any inside track into this, but what we do have is the ability to see those spaces, 
those gaps, like you just pointed out, 2011, all of a sudden things stop. There are yeah. certain assessments you can make from not what was said, but what hasn't been said, what was not brought public. Yeah, no, you, you can, I mean, it's always a dangerous endeavor to try to connect the dots, um, but I think there are a few things you can point to that are very interesting. You know, the guy I talked to who went to graduate school with him said he was a very smart, nice guy, um, but very guarded about his personal life. And then another uh, individual who, uh, I, I actually don't know him personally. I do know he was a special forces uh, officer. Um, he was posting on Twitter. I know Pete Debbins because I attended the special forces officer qualification course with him. And he stood out for bragging about his Russian wife in the Russian community of Fayetteville, North Carolina, which wasn't very normal around 2002. First of all, <laughs> but look, man, if, if Jack Murphy got arrested tomorrow for espionage against the United States, I'm destroying every video we've ever made together. <laughs> if they're like, do you know Jack Murphy? Jack who? Nope. Don't know this dude. I don't, I, I would not want to be associated with you, man. What are people doing? That is like, like, oh, I knew him. Look at me. Like, come on, brother. Like, no, stop it. I, that to me already, that kind of throws up a warning sign to me. Like I knew him. You, you might get a phone call from the feds. It's always possible. Yeah. What, do you want that conversation? I don't. I sure as shit don't want a conversation about Devin's. But, um, Jack, so what, where do we go from here? So uh, they got him by the cojones. They're, they're going to squeeze until he's, you know. He's yeah, I mean, yeah, you got, you got to figure that, yeah, they're charging him. And they're going to want him to give up names, right? They're going to want him. Like, if he, if he has indeed been spotting and assessing for the GRU, they're going to want to know all about that. And, and if that's the case, I'm sure it'll be part of a, a plea bargain. What's the worst that can happen now? What's, what's on the table for this dude? Well, looking at the indictment, and um, I'm sorry, I'll pull it up again oh, here. To see, to, I can read to you exactly what he's charged with. Uh, or can I? I mean, it, you know, and we, we think of espionage. We think of the death penalty. Um, is that like a realistic thing? Can we really fry this dude for what he's been, been doing? Or does it matter? Not like, not, not like that. And we charge, I mean, we charge very few people with treason. Um, throughout American history, there's only been like maybe like 40 people convicted of treason. Um, they've got him conspiracy to gather or deliver defense information to aid a foreign government. And then there's a forfeiture. <laughs> They're asking him to repay a thousand dollars because the Russians paid him a thousand dollars at one point. <laughs> so Uncle Sam wants that money back, I guess. Deal. I mean, okay. So yeah, it's it's just that one charge. It's not uh, conspiracy to gather or deliver defense information to aid a foreign government. So. Yeah, I mean, you would kind of expect they'd be hitting him with like five things at once. And if they really got him by the balls, the way that indictment makes it sound like, how come you're like, if he actually, it says he signed an agreement with the Russians saying like, yes, I will work for the Russian government. And they gave him a code name. Uh, Hope it was worth signed, it. Hope it was good that one. he signed with. The code name was uh, Ikar Lezenikov. 
if that's the case, if that really happened, I think they would be charging him with treason. And if they had, like, if they have a copy of that document, I mean, I think that that would be a pretty clean cut um, case of treason. So that's what I was thinking. I mean, yeah. that, I mean, it sounds like at his position, he had the potential to give, you know, uh, severe impact information. Like we're, we're talking about almost semi-catastrophic. I mean, when you get into operations, you're talking about a guy that's in a position, former SF, probably uh, a lot of access to programs or people. You're giving away information, giving away names. This puts human beings in mortal peril. It's not like I was giving the Russians our you know, secret plans to the UFOs in Area 51. This is like, oh, that dude's a spy. That dude's a spy. By the way, his name is Jack Murphy. His name is John Smith. Wax those dudes. Like, that's, yeah. that's a, there's a difference. It, 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 does, it does feel like, yeah, they're trying to get him off the street and they're probably, I, I'm sure they're going to put some kind of plea agreement in front of him. Um, so we'll see how that plays out. Um, I don't, I don't know if he's been arraigned yet. Um, While you're looking that up, let me ask you as an SF, uh, as, as a former SF guy, uh, you're part of this community. I know you guys are a very tight knit group. Um, how does this affect you guys? I mean, when you see a story like this, what comes to mind? How do you, how does this affect your, I, I guess your, your state of mind when it comes to like, this is my community. These are people I trust. Yeah, all of these stories in, in different ways, when these sorts of scandals come out, they, they all um, are, are really disappointing. Um, but this one, this is different. Uh, you know, most of the people who join special forces are like hyper patriotic guys, like super patriotic guys. Um, and this is going to sound really bad, but sometimes uh, the officers are not as patriotic. And I think that probably has to do with them being perhaps a little bit more intellectual than us enlisted meatheads. They go to college, they have this sort of like wider worldview, um, maybe some disenfranchisement, or they see more of the imperfections of America. Whereas, you know, people like me are more like, I don't want to say mindlessly patriotic, but like better dead than red patriotic for sure. <laughs> so, um, that they got an officer to trip up over himself like that is, it makes sense to me. Um, but it's still, it's still really disappointing. And it's, it's kind of befuddling that, you know, you were so disillusioned with your country that you thought, you, you know, Russia would do a better job than we would, um, that, that you were going to just uh, hand over the, the keys to the kingdom to this authoritarian regime um, that, you know, clearly doesn't give a shit about you. Uh, that, that's, yeah, that's, that's a little confusing. But isn't that, isn't that the ultimate confusion though? Like why do people betray the United yeah, States? Yeah. You know, like, oh, I believe in Russia. Like, do you, do you love bread lines? Is that your thing? Like I love inflation and bread lines and, you know, commun you know, a history of communism. I like, I like the idea of Putin being the de facto emperor. I mean, come on, the guy's never leaving office. He's never leaving his position. <laughs> They'll just make, make a new position, call it something else, and he'll move into it. But we know who's in charge. Uh, does anybody even know who the president of, of Russia is? Like, all we know, if, if you said who's in charge of Russia in America? You know, oh, Putin. Putin. Uh, you know, he's not like, ah, oh, come on. We know who's really in charge here. Uh, 
I want to touch on something you said that, that, you know, you're the, the SF officers, they take a different, maybe they're, they're in it for a different type. Of, I think, maybe, I think it's, I think officers in general, um, because of their education. But I would, I want to piggyback on that. I, 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 I agree with you to an extent, maybe about the education piece, but I think that a lot of times officers, when they join the military, they're coming in with that college degree. I, some officers go to OCS, they do with, you know, they enlisted, uh, uh, you know, green to gold, but, the ones that come in with those degrees, they're looking at the military as a career to build yeah. up, right? Enlisted mm-hmm. folks come in usually because we have our own problem. <laughs> usually it's to solve a problem, not to build careers. Like, a lot of like blue, co- blue collar guys, you know, and, right. and they would never, they would not, uh, again, unless it was like him, like um, American soldiers would have no like natural affinity, I think, towards Russia. Um, But that's another thing. This guy was, he was born in Russia. The diasporas are always interesting because diasporas, many times people in the diaspora, they look at their home country through rose-colored lenses. Tell us what a diaspora is for for the love of God, because some of us don't know what a diaspora is. It's just a a, a expat community. Got it. Um, So, you know, people, let's let's say Iranian-Americans uh, Russian Americans, um, people who come here from a foreign country and they become naturalized citizens or they get their green card and they live here, they would be part of, in this case, let's say the Russian diaspora in America. And, you know, the, the, the vast majority of them are, are great people. Um, but what happens, I think, with diasporas in general is that they tend to look back towards their home country, be it Israel, be it Bulgaria, whichever country it is, and see it as a sort of like utopian, you know, shining light up on the hill um, and kind of gloss over the reasons why they left that country. Um, you can see it with uh, even with Somalian expats, um, many different expat communities um, that they look it, it, because it becomes an identity issue because they are a foreigner living in America. And it's like, well, who am I as a person? Am I a Russian or an American? Am I Russian American? And most people reconcile those things in like a healthy way. (laughs) Mr. Debbins uh, clearly had uh, some hangups with his identity and wasn't quite sure where he stood. And that made him prime recruiting material for the GRU. We will see where this goes. I'm very curious to know how this cookie will crumble. Um, and the person that you know, folks, that is going to be on top of this is going to be Jack Murphy. Jack, where can people <laughs> follow you and uh, stalk you on the interwebs? Uh, you can cyber stalk me on Twitter at Jack Murphy RGR. Um, and uh, you can also find my uh, weekly podcast with uh, special ops and intelligence community veterans on YouTube or iTunes or Spotify or wherever you like to go for those things. It's called The Team House. Uh, We do the show live every Friday night. The Team House podcast, connectingvets.com. I'm Rod Rodriguez. You can follow me on Twitter again at RodPodRod. Oh, and and Rod, one final thing. The article that I wrote about Devin's, if you look it up on Connecting Vets, troubling questions remain about Green Beret charged with espionage. And those links will be in the show notes if you're listening on podcast. Folks, this is the podcast as well. So if you're listening to us, the links are in the show notes. We're on YouTube. So what up, YouTube? Uh, all that stuff is going to be down there. Leave us comments, folks. We, we This is a dialogue. This isn't just me and Jack. We want to hear from you. What do you think about Devin's? What do you think about all of this stuff? Leave your comments below. And with that said, I'm Rod Rodriguez. That was Jack Murphy. And we are 
out. We'll see you at the next episode. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.